Hello and welcome to another podcast, Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six, and we're recording this on Easter Monday, following the Easter of Corona quarantine, where um, we weren't actually physically allowed to attend any masses or services in person, and we wanted to take a a moment or two here to talk about that, uh, as many people out there may have had a uneasy or unusual feeling that. You know, we were in our living rooms or in front of a computer screen or however we may have watched or attended mass in our own ways and obviously not being part of the congregation in a, in a church building itself. So with that being said, we wanted to use this space here today to have a conversation about that and, and just kind of address the reality of what happened. So with that being said, Father, I know that for you, it's, it's pretty unusual to have a mass with no faces to talk to. So uh, I want to start from your perspective and, and go from there. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Uh, some of the monks and I were talking last night about how this will be uh, something we tell our, well, we tell our grandchildren monks about. <laughs> In 50 years, we'll tell the new monks entering the community. I remember the Holy Week of 2020 when we uh, had no congregation, when we had the Paschal candle in the middle of the choir, when we omitted the, a bunch of the parts of the Easter vigil, uh, when we had these stripped down uh, Holy Week services, and, and they'll think, that's not possible. That couldn't have happened. It's, uh, it, it was quite surreal uh, again and again uh, to, to do this. As, as a community, we're, uh, on the one hand, continuing to live our, our life as best as possible, having the liturgies. We just have a large enough church that we can space everybody out pretty effectively. And likewise, we have a large enough dining room since the college students are not there. Normally it seats, you know, 700 or something. So we can spread ourselves out uh, with six foot social distancing and, and fit the 80 monks or so who are here uh, 90 monks into that space. So we also had a festive meal last night with servers wearing gloves that got sanitized between everything that we did, uh, creating aisles that were large enough that we didn't have to get within six feet of anybody and uh, walking past. It's just, anyway, it becomes a, a logistical challenge that some people enjoy, but it's just, it's such an, just such an odd situation. But as you were saying having a, a mass with no congregation and we hold our basilica holds about a thousand people so it's really empty when there's nobody there but the monks we can celebrate mass just on the choir side of the basilica so that uses the space a little bit more effectively so we don't feel like we're just enveloped by this cavernous space uh, but it's still so strange and on the one hand i I've said this, I can't remember if I said it last week on our podcast, but I've been saying to people recently, the monk in me is rejoicing. The priest in me is in anguish. You know, our monastic life, uh, as one of our monks said, 30 years ago, this when I joined the community, this is actually what I expected. <laughs> we, Our monastic life here at St. Vincent is quite apostolic. That is to say, we do a lot of ministry and we are sent out. We do a lot of things for people. And so we often have a lot of people around and Normally at our Holy Week services, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, Easter Sunday, we would have uh, 500 people attending. And so 
to not have that and to reorient everything was was really stark. And then actually what struck me emotionally, I during the veneration of the cross, which is normally a communal activity, uh, the celebrant removes his chasuble. And so it's just he's in the white alb and with a stole, which already looks very, it looks somehow very vulnerable. Uh, it's probably hard for people to imagine that quite as I do as someone who wears a chasuble. That's the long robe that goes over the priest at mass. Uh, to remove that and to be out there without that on makes one feel a bit vulnerable. And so the celebrant, our archabbot, was stripped that way, just the album stole. And then he venerated the cross and then he picked it up and he blessed the whole choir with the cross, which is a gesture that's never been done on Good Friday in my experience and probably never will be again. And something about that just cut right through and I just tears erupted right then. And I was just really struck by the, the reality of this, this whole thing and the kind of, anyway, the, the sacrifice, the separation, the isolation, the, uh, the, the difference. And, and there was something that was so simple about that gesture too, that really brought me to the humility and simplicity of Christ, who still longs to bless us with this cross. And this is a cross that we've been carrying for weeks and we don't know how long we'll continue carrying it, but the Lord Jesus in his humility does come close to us and wants to bless us with his cross. And so we continued, of course, uh, had Holy Thursday uh, without the foot washing. So that, that whole ritual in which we sing some beautiful antiphons. I'm usually in the scola. I love to sing those antiphons. It really makes that whole aspect of it uh, become alive for me. Good Friday in a more simplified form without the veneration of the cross. The Easter vigil without any of the baptismal liturgy uh, and without much of the liturgy of light, the procession, uh, the, uh, the, the marking of the candle, a number of these elements were removed. So it was just so simplified. And I really felt that. Uh, missing those things, uh, especially for me. I mean, I, there, there isn't a, since I became Catholic in 1997, uh, I've never missed these, these triduum services. And so uh, they're, they're deeply ingrained in me. I've celebrated them many times. I voice over the Holy Father celebrating them many times. I've gone through them so many times. I know them inside and out. And to be missing these elements was, was so striking. And, and that was all signifying, you know, even during this whole week of the Easter octave, most of the opening prayers are about the newly baptized. We keep praying for the newly baptized, who this year and almost the entire world were not newly baptized. We talk about the church's offspring. She didn't give birth this year. And the feeling, the anguish of that is, uh, again, very painful for, for me and, and praying for those people who didn't receive the sacraments, who have been preparing for a year, maybe for several years in some cases, didn't receive those sacraments as they had anticipated this at this Easter vigil. And so the church remains, I think it's a nice image if we look at it that way, she remains a pregnant woman who's overdue now. And uh, may those babies get big inside of her. May they continue to grow even before they have been given birth through baptism. Uh, would be my my prayer. And I think it's kind of the prayer of all of us in this pandemic that 
this won't be an occasion for there to be a stillbirth, you know, for there to be a death that happens, that nobody would, nobody's faith would die because of the lack of pastoral care, the lack of spiritual care, the lack of attendance at Mass. Because I know that it's a great anguish. You can watch Mass on television, but first of all, it's very hard to create an environment that disposes your body to really receive the grace of the Mass. Uh, people have done heroic things, which I commend them for, clearing out rooms, literally removing the furniture from rooms, putting up candles, putting up a table, putting a, a kind of altar cloth over the table, and then putting the laptop or something like on the table and watching the mass there, kneeling, standing, doing responses have really, but you know that you're pushing yourself through an effort. It's, a, it's an extra effort that you're making. And the very process of making the effort is itself a kind of distraction taking our attention away from the reality of what's taking place. And then even having done all of that, there's still an awareness. This is at a distance. It's, this is not a hundred feet from me. It's uh, 10 miles from me or a hundred miles from me. We know that as much as our minds can kind of play tricks on us and we can allow ourselves to be drawn into a scene that's, that's uh, physically remote. There's still a level at which we know that. And there is, a place for what St. John says, what our eyes have seen and our ears have heard, what our hands have touched, this is what we reveal to you, the word of life in First John chapter 1. You know, what our hands have touched, it's an important part of it. And the fact is our hands aren't touching any of the things that we're watching, any of the things in the church, any of the things with the sacraments. Our hands aren't touching them, and, and we feel that. Uh, so, so there are so they're very good substitute, you know, they're they're very good options. Thank God we have options. Thanks thank God we can do something. And I don't want to diminish that in the least, but at the same time I can't hold back recognizing it's not the same. It's not a substitute. This is not as good as. Now, can someone be moved to ecstasy? Can someone be moved to a deep personal communion with the Lord? Can somebody be moved to a deep conversion even? Well, sure, the Holy Spirit is not bound by time and space. The Holy Spirit is still at work in people's hearts. But the fact is, it is different, and it is hard. And and I know for a lot of people, you know, even just the process of driving to church helps one to transition internally. Driving away from church and coming into a celebration, there's a kind of eruption of joy going forth. What happens after the Mass? We don't go anywhere. We just sort of like stay there in our living room. <laughs> and and there's something missing from all of that that our bodies really need to be more receptive to the grace. So um, so beautiful that that people found ways. And, and we did something really unique uh, through the Institute for Ministry Formation at St. Vincent. We held a, a retreat over the Triduum. We had a retreat for we actually had 850 people sign up for it. We had about 150 that logged into every Zoom session. So it was actually interactive, synchronous, simultaneous. And uh, they could log into the Zoom session. We, had, we prayed the Liturgy of the Hours together. We had presenters, personal testimonies. And uh, there was a chance for, you, you saw everybody's face, you know, you get a little window into everybody's living room. And there was a real sense of community that was formed around the mysteries of our faith. That's what we were talking about is the topics of Holy Week the whole time. And so there was a real community formed around the mysteries of our faith. And it, 
it really gave everybody a sense of being close to each other and having a kind of a, a sense of community that we've really been missing in this uh, pandemic in our quarantined isolation. Then we also had breakout sessions after the main session and anybody who wanted to stay, and there were usually about 40 people who were willing to engage at that level. We put them in rooms of three, four, five people and they had a chance to meet each other. And we had people from all over the country. Uh, I was in a group with someone from Indiana, from Denver and from Florida one time. Uh, another time, somebody from, I think, Cincinnati and from Maine and from anyway, a number of different states and a number of, of people more local as well uh, from Greensburg Diocese, Pittsburgh Diocese. But we really got to interact then and, and got to know each other a little bit that way. We were able to exchange some uh, some uh, emails and, and keep in contact. And we really lived the Triduum together. We had about 13 sessions overall connecting throughout Thursday to su Sunday afternoon. And we culminated with a community meal uh, where we invited people, bring your food and we'll, we'll sit at our computers and we'll eat together and we'll have a time of sharing graces. You know, what's a, a word that you want to share with the whole group about uh, the impact the retreat had on you? And we had about 12, 15 people just share, share a grace. And so many people said, this was the first time since this quarantine started that I really found some peace. Uh, this was the I thought this triduum was going to be terrible because I couldn't go to any of the liturgies, but it turned out because of this retreat, it's the best triduum I've ever had. I couldn't believe there were numerous people that said that. I was so touched by that. Uh, so, and and for me too, it was really beautiful. I, I got to see, recognize the faces, even though there wasn't a lot of interaction in the full session, just because it's impossible to have that kind of interaction with 150 people logged in at the same time. Um, I saw faces and gestures, hand signs, and they could also chat with the hosts. And so I got little messages and a whole variety of ages of, of participation, different uh, priests and religious few, as well as you know, lots of uh, married people, young people, college students, uh, elderly, anyway, just a beautiful group. So, so there was something beautiful that emerged from that, which again is, is a grace. We wouldn't have had that. That's the point, even without the the quarantine when people could go to the liturgies some people never had such a spiritual experience of these mysteries and they were specific about some of the graces they received in terms of recognizing the the importance of good friday or recognizing the importance of holy saturday they said i would often just go from holy thursday and think right through to easter sunday and never thought about the things that were happening in between you know so some some awareness opened up that that only opened up because there was a break in routine, because there was something different. This triduum retreat emerged, which often doesn't happen. People don't go on a triduum retreat because they want to stay in their home parishes. They want to stay with their own communities. They don't want to leave to go to a monastery or a retreat house and do that with some, somebody else. And the church doesn't encourage that people leave their parishes or that retreat houses are holding triduum services. They really encourage, these are the central mysteries of the year. They should be lived together. But having an online retreat made it possible to do both, to really walk together as a community and for people to go to their local liturgies, so much so that they said, we want to do this again next year. Uh, we want to go to our local liturgies, but we want to have this online experience with people all over. That's beautiful. So anyway, just a little thing that emerges from this that uh, that becomes a new movement of the Holy Spirit. 
And I would say it's a kind of fruit of our suffering. It's a fruit of our sacrifice. If there weren't anguish and urgency, and I have to admit, it wasn't my idea. It was one of the brothers here, Brother Cashin, who had the idea, brought it to me. We worked together and then uh, just unfolded beautifully. But it was his urgency thinking, uh, people need this. We need to reach out to them. We need to do something to them to really invite them into uh, into these mysteries as best as they can. So, so there's a there's an invention that comes from the necessity and uh, things that that come out of it. But also the weirdness, the surrealness, the the pain and anguish. Um, just the last story, and then I'm gonna switch back to you, Joe. I'm rambling uh, longer than usual this time, but. There was one participant who said she had felt like she was being pushed to go to her parish church and and watch it on live stream from the parking lot of the parish church. She just wanted to hear the church bells. I was so touched by that. I thought that was so beautiful. So, but then she thought, I'm I'm just crazy. That doesn't matter. But she shared it in her small group, that little breakout session on retreat. And they said, no, no, that's a great idea. That's really beautiful. So it gave her some courage to go. She went to the parking lot. And then when she was there, she saw that there was a kind of emergency exit that was propped open. <laughs> and so like, like a criminal or something. Now, this is the weirdness that's being caused by these church regulations that I don't feel good about. But anyway a testimony to her faith. And I just, I was so moved by this. She went and watched through the little crack in the door and she could even smell the incense and really felt like she was a part of it and, you know, never wanted to interrupt or have anybody see her or cause any kind of commotion and was able to participate that way. So touched by that. So I think that the Lord is really reaching the faithful in some special ways during this time too, uh, that, I think there are probably a lot of stories like that and just little special graces, things that came together for people. And so I hope we can hold on to those as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I I, uh, I know that we did some of the things that, that you just mentioned. We were one of the, the households that, that cleared everything out to the point where I walked in. I was like, are we moving? Because <laughs> the, the entire <laughs> entire living room was, was empty. And um so there's just, just, you know, nothing in sight except for she, uh, Teresa has a, a couple of statues, um, that pertain specifically to, um, good or Holy Thursday. And, um, you know, we were able to, to bring that out and, um, yeah. So, so the, 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 the part that's obviously different is you're looking at, at your TV or your computer. Um, we put it through the TV just because it's bigger and we can see, see it through it, um, but but the core concept being that it's uh it is different you know what anyone who's been to a sporting event versus watching it at tv it just is um you know being there has an element to it and there's something in fact actually i'm pretty sure this was a commercial at one point um silence can exist with no one there or it can exist with a full building and somehow the silence is stronger with the full building. Um, mm, wow. Yeah, I remember the Masters had that as their commercial, you know, showing Tiger putting on the very silent 18th green and all that. Um, wow. But e even the, uh, you know, the songs and responses, you know, you can, can, can do them at your house as you know them. Um, but it's, it's different when you're not hearing everyone else around you. Um, I know that myself, I got an appreciation for 
really how good my wife is at singing um because mm. normally um particularly at the communion songs i'm up on the altar giving out communion so i don't get to uh. stand next to her during them um and the uh and all of that so it, it was certainly something something there and the and to hold a retreat like that like you described i actually uh, our family did uh did zoom gatherings and stuff of those nature one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And one of the participants who came on that is, is a priest friend of ours. He was actually at the retreat of yours and telling us about it. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, that was a, that was an intertwined. So I was aware of it, even though I didn't participate in it. Um, so it, it, uh, it's certainly different. Um, and at one point I had had the question, which I guess I kind of figured out in the moment, but there was no one else there. Why are we doing the incense? Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was a, uh, it was, you know, it's, it's essentially an empty building as you, as you guys described. Um, and then Teresa was like, because this is still important, still sanctified, just because you can't smell it doesn't mean it's not, not real and, and important. And, I know that, that we've been fortunate that our particular group cluster in the shrines of Pittsburgh uh, have been going out of their way to go to each of the different shrines buildings to um, to, to you know show that, that each building is important. And in a way saying that each of our congregation, regardless of which section of our territory you live in, you know, you're, you're still important. You know, my fear being that that people may have lost that. Because as you said, there's no way around it. Um, that whole process of driving to the church, physically receiving communion, hearing people, you know, seeing other people, um, you know, for good and bad. I mean, I mean, that's part of a community. You know, people bring, that's right. bring that's good right. and bads that, um, you know, that, that, that there's something to it that, you know, in the, in the middle of the priest homily, you see a three-year-old just start running around out of control, like super embarrassing <laughs> for the parents. That's but right. on the other hand, that's that's part of life sometimes. That's right. And, you know, th- th- there there is none of that. And and for me, it was um, on, on the Good Friday. It's not a mass on Good Friday, but on, the, on Good Friday, when the priest comes in and the very beginning and just completely silence and prostrates it, it to me that is so different when the entire building goes silent versus just the TV yeah. the TV being quiet. Um, you know, I I the only other real comparable I have to that is you know you think of on the radio there's rarely ever dead noise. It's like the cardinal sin of radio, um, except for when you're on the radio. <laughs> there, there's, except for our station. <laughs> yeah, except for when you're doing it. Um, then, then there's silence all the time. And at first, it could be really jarring. Um, and, and that's the only real comparable I have is because when you have this many people or something that's designed to have communication going on, to have silence is, is, is jarring in that regard. So, Father, I wanted to conclude this here by, by obviously we, we recognize the difference in how we want to be back in the building, and obviously that's out of our control. But for, for people who are obviously feeling a difference, and when there's a difference, sometimes there can be a, a felt of loss, um, to, to just kind of speak to that element 
as we conclude here to try to say, you know, we recognize that there's, there's loss here, but to, to give the positivity to it, to, as we move forward, as since we don't know when this is going to end, um, you know, to, to kind of direct it as, as if this, you know, continues to become a thing, you know, Easter season is important. We don't want to just lose it. So to, to, to discuss that a little bit. <laughs> it just a thought came to my mind. I haven't thought about this in years until just this moment. So trust that's the, the Holy spirit. My, my dad was uh, a submariner, submariner, and part of their, what they did, uh, one of their tours of duty was to go out for six months uh, into the West Pacific. They actually uh, would, would track Russian subs, as it turns out. I'm not sure my mother knew that. But anyway, uh, it would leave my mother behind with two young children. I think I was three and my, my brother was seven, something like that. And uh, my mother, there's, there's a particular, because of the nature of submarines, there's a particular smell that a submarine has. It's a, it's a kind of mechanical smell. It'd probably be similar to someone whose husband is a, a mechanic. But my mother had certain things from my dad that had that smell. And, and she missed him, you know, and she would get a letter here and there. I mean, there's not a lot of communication. There certainly wasn't FaceTime and all this kind of stuff. But she told me, much later, you know, sometimes she would pick up those things that smelled like my dad, like the submarine, and uh, and and it would help her to remember him and to be close to him. And there's nobody who's ever going to claim that's a substitute. You know, we're not, it's not going to get us there. But does it do something for us? Yeah, it does something for us. You know, uh, there's a there's something so sweet about that, and and that's what we need to do is find those things that that smell like church, you know, that, that, uh, and, and the, the sign, the, the sights and sounds and those things. And then some new things that help us to connect the, uh, the wives of submarine officers had their own group and the, the naval officers wives would, uh, would get together as well. They'd form a little community in the absence of the community of their own husbands. They formed a little community of their own. Is that a substitute? No, it's not a substitute. Um, but does it do something? Yeah, it does something, you know, and, and that's where we have some, some different things that emerge. The, the officers' wives never spent as much time together as when their husbands were all deployed in the West Pacific. So, um, you know, I, I think in both of those ways, we can help our hearts to bridge the distance a little bit and, and draw close to the Lord in our church communities and, and really pray. And let that longing also pray, as I'm sure those officers' wives also did, really pray for their husbands to come home safely, as we often do for our, our armed service members who are deployed. So um, I think those are, are some things. I wanted to mention, too, if anybody's interested, we posted all the videos from our True to Him retreat, which was the interactive sessions and also some videos we prepared for devotional use. And you can find them by going to treatuumretreat2020.net. You have to spell treatuum right. T-R-I-D-U-U-M retreat, R-E-T-R-E-A-T, 2020.net. So if anybody wants to check those out, welcome to view all of that. I, I think really the Lord did something beautiful in that experience. And those are the things that we should keep asking for and being open to in, uh, in this challenging time. Certainly. And, and thank you for that. And, 
and we thank everyone else for for being out there and and to make the best as we can out of this situation. Um, I know that I said earlier on that that we have been growing a lot during this period and certainly not the circumstances we wanted to grow during, but we <laughs> right. do th- we do thank you for for bringing us into to to part of your lives during this period of of quarantine and and we do thank and ask you to continue if you know someone else who could benefit from it to to let them know. Um, clicking the share button inside the app that you're you're listening to it is a great way to, to do it. Um, and we thank you guys for doing that. And also, if you haven't yet, um, please do um, a review on whichever service you're getting it from. Um, those star reviews, and it's particularly the written reviews, do make a tremendous difference in how often we come up and search results, which is another way that we grow. So we thank you guys all for being actively helping us and participating, and we'll be with you again here next week.